up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Phil, it's been a while since we've had a guest on our show. It's been, oh my gosh, how long has it been? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's been a while. And it's actually going to be a little while longer because <laughs> even though today is seemingly one of those episodes, actually, Phil, we are the guests in this episode. How cool is that? Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. You know, you, you are listening to Dad's Kitchen, but today we are actually airing somebody else's episode. This podcast, The Stand-Up Dad's you know, they, I, th I think they really kind of fit in with a lot of what we're trying to do. And they, for some reason, I don't know why, wanted us to be guests on their show. Yeah, Mike and Rob are these two stand-up comedians and they're dads. And similar to, to our show, they want to be better dads. And they use comedy to reinforce that, which is exactly what we do. Because first and foremost, we're comedians, right, Chris? Then we're scientists, <laughs> then we're doctors, and somewhere on the list, very, very far down, we're cooks, I guess. Sure. I was going to say that out of all of those, comedians is probably the biggest stretch, Phil. Do you call yourself a comedian if you're trying to be funny, but you're not actually that funny? Like, I don't like know. do you show up to a party and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm Phil, I'm a comedian. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing stand up at dinner tonight. No, Phil, that's. I don't think I need to even tell you that that's awkward. Okay, well, then let's leave it to the professionals. Rob and Mike, as Chris said, have this great podcast called the Stand Up Dads Podcast, and we are airing the interview that we guested on for their show. Does that make sense? We <laughs> are airing the episode where we guested on their show, and we hope you enjoy. Yeah, so here's the Stand Up Dads. Oh, yeah, I don't want to go to jail for anything. I'm much too, like, weak. And you're pretty. You are listening to the Stand Up Dads Podcast. This is hecka boring. Yeah, it is. Let's try again. So, speaking of idiots, uh, you're listening to Stand Up Dads. This is Rob. Mike is out this week celebrating his girlfriend's birthday. Happy birthday, Annie. I hope he doesn't think that you're too old for him now. <laughs> and that guy laughing in the back, I was able to nab one of my favorite guest hosts, Big Nick Johnson from the Gag on This Podcast. What up? Thanks for coming out. Yep. You may have also noticed that for the past month or so, our shows have been preceded by an ad featuring two guys that sound like they came straight from NPR telling you about a podcast called Dad's Kitchen. I listened to it. I loved it. And I reached out to them, and I'm happy to say they agreed to come on Stand Up Dads to talk about their show and the benefits of cooking with your kids. Please welcome the executive chefs from Dad's Kitchen Podcast. <laughs> me, hang on. Rob is a stammering. This couldn't idiot. be going any better. I know. See, I do this to make you feel more comfortable. Please welcome the. <laughs> this could take an hour. Please welcome the executive chefs from the Dad's Kitchen podcast, Phil Kenite and Chris Douglas. Woo! 
<laughs> I have never been described as someone from NPR, but I have also never been more flattered. Oh, sweet. That's like the greatest compliment I could receive. Yeah, no, but people do say that you're an executive chef all the time, Phil. Yeah, and and we're not chefs. That's the thing. I I didn't know that it was like a taboo subject. But if you're if you're just a home cook and you call yourself a Ooh, chef, right? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, like real chefs do not take kindly to that. That is a thing, Phil. Yeah, it's like Doctor Phil calling himself a doctor. <laughs> exactly. And we're not <laughs> chefs. We're we're just a couple of dads that uh, like to Google things before we record. Totally. And that just so happens to be how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Chris does sound a lot like Mike Birbiglia. Oh, I'm okay with that. I think, yeah. I think I'll no, take I don't that. think it's a bad thing. Yeah. And Phil sounds like Roman Mars. I don't know if you've heard him. Well, I'm going to Google him. He does Chicago public radio and he did like a 99% invisible and stuff like that. I love it. Anyway. Yeah. Chicago public radio has some really great content. Isn't that where, uh, uh, what is her this name? American that did? Life? Yeah. Sarah Koenig. Doesn't, doesn't, didn't Sarah Koenig come I from? I think so, yeah. 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 I mean, she did start on This American Life. So, wow, yes. we're sounding like NPR now. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ira Glass. Stay yeah. with us. <laughs> now, that I don't think I'd take as a good... I mean, he's an amazing dude, but I don't think I'd want to be told I sound like him. It's, it'd be more like, I'm Ira Glass, stay with us. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry, what? What? Hmm? All right, before we go down that rabbit hole, tell me about your podcast. Go ahead, Chris. So, we... Uh, you know, you know, Phil and I are two dads. We have kids, we have families, and and honestly, I think it actually started several years ago when I was out visiting Phil, and my, my wife and I were there, and I noticed how really like how engaged Phil was in the kitchen, and I kind of loved it. And you know, I did not grow up in a family. Like really my mom was, she was the only one cooking and, and food was a little utilitarian. It was just kind of something that we got through. And I really wanted to dive into it a little bit more and get better at cooking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Hey, Phil. And, and, and honestly, like, you know, if, if we kind of go back, it started in 2020 and I, you know, we, we had COVID and all of that going on. So we had a, a lot of time on our hands and b a lot of distance you know, and Phil lives on the other side of the country from me. And so for, it was kind of twofold. It was one, you know, getting to hang out with one of my best friends, but then also trying to figure out how to help out around the house and be a little bit more engaged because honestly, I had no clue what I was doing. And that's kind of where this this idea of this podcast came from. Let's just dive in and try and get a little bit better at cooking while we you know, spend more time with our families and try and try and be a little bit more engaged in the home. Anything to add to that, Phil? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Chris called me up one day and he said, hey, who who does the majority of the cooking in your home? And this was like, like a Monday morning, I'm on my way to my office. And I just thought it was such a bizarre thing to ask. First of all, for Chris to be calling in the morning is pretty unusual. So so I, I was like, I, I think we split our time. I don't know. I've never really thought much about it. And then he said, oh, well, I have. And I think we should start a podcast called Dad's Kitchen. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, we, we, had, we had talked about the possibility of doing a podcast for quite some time. We actually had like three or four different iterations of one and we cut some tracks on it. And we had these different ideas. Originally, we were going to do a podcast where we just reviewed indie films and like, you know, kind of took off, but we never actually published anything. And then we kind of forgot about it. And then I got that call from Chris and I was like, this is it this is our podcast. And I don't recall ever 
feeling comfortable in the kitchen. I didn't know any of the theory behind it, but I just but Phil, I there. thought you were a stud. It's it's it, you know, <laughs> well, that's kind of you, Chris. It's so kind, but truthfully. I'm a shoot from the hips kind of guy. And I would look up a recipe while I was at the grocery store. What should I cook tonight? You know, I'm like walking down the produce section and I don't even know what I'm making. And then I would get home and I wouldn't even read through the recipe until I actually start making it. And then I realized, wow, oh, this needs to be marinating for like 24 hours. <laughs> and so, I've done that. <laughs> and meanwhile, Chris, who made it sound like in his introduction that he didn't know anything about cooking, but truthfully, he's the theory behind it all. So when we started this podcast, he would teach me things like, what is a bechamel sauce and how do you make a Mornay and all these like French mother sauces, which is like the foundation to so much great food. And I would just follow a recipe. And um, then, man, we're, we're over a hundred episodes into it now. And mm -hmm. we've been podcasting for over a year and shoot, like, Seriously, I think I'm a pretty good cook now. You know, because like I, of the I, podcast, I, I oh yeah, I'd put myself up against a lot of great chefs. Yeah, Phil, I'm still <laughs> terrible. I'm glad one of us is a step ahead of where we were when we started. What else, Chris? What else? Well, so I like the fact that you can pick and choose. You know, it's not like if you miss episode three, you can't listen to episode four or something like that. And you can also pick, you know, most of your episodes go like about what, like 20 minutes. And then you have the quick tip ones that are usually like less than five. Yeah. So we've got two episodes each week. Every Tuesday is our quick tip. Those are anywhere from three to five, as you said. And then our full length episodes release on Thursday. And they're just a little more in depth, a little more banter forward. Mm -hmm. uh, like your podcast, we love to banter. And man, when we first started, we would have like an hour and a half of record time and that would get trimmed down to like 30 minutes. Yeah. And since then, we've gotten a little bit better. It's it's a little more focused, but we're, we're, we're still keeping true to the banter because, you know, as Chris said, this isn't just a podcast to learn how to cook. It's also It's also a chance to spend time with your best friend who lives on the other side of the country. Get that. So yeah. what kind of a role did food play in your lives growing up? You mentioned you had a utilitarian, uh, Chris, uh, view on food when you were a kid. Yeah, I, I think I did. And I don't know if I really realized that until I got married. I think there are a lot of things that I didn't realize in life until I got married. But food was very much, it, it was utilitarian. And my mom was in the kitchen. My dad was always in his office, you know, working. He was accessible. There, there, was, there was that little bit of space. And us kids and all of our friends, we were like hanging out in the kitchen with my mom. And, you know, even though food was a little bit utilitarian, there was something about spending time in the kitchen with, with our family and with our friends that I think especially looking back on it now, just felt really special. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't grow up in a foodie family like my wife, there was there was still this little bit of community that I think happened around food in the kitchen. And, you know, it was just kind of a place for us that there was community and congregation in life. That's just where we had like conversations. And again, my, my dad was was very present. I, I feel like super, super grateful because I know that's not exactly the story that everybody has, but there there was, you know, something about that that congregation and that 
that experience of life that happened in kitchen in the kitchen that I felt like you know I wanted to be a part of. And so again, if we kind of go back to the, a little bit of the origins to to our little show, that, that was just something that I wanted to be. I wanted to be around and and I think I wanted to like be there for. Yeah, I don't know. For 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 us, food was was definitely more about the time spent together rather mm-hmm. than the the actual like taste or flavor or what whatever sure. was going on with dinner itself. Did you guys get involved or was it just being around and having the conversation? Honestly, I think it was just like being there. It was yeah. it was kind of like being present. So you're telling me I'm ruining my kids' memories of the kitchen because I hate it when people are in the kitchen when I'm in there. <laughs> my brother-in-law actually made me a shirt that says get the f out of my kitchen but he didn't just leave an f uh, <laughs> you wear it often only um when they're there um, <laughs> i love my in-laws i actually you know lucked out with them but they love to hover in the kitchen and i don't have a huge kitchen and it's like if you want to help just leave me alone because <laughs> uh i don't know i'm kind of uh I don't know. Well, I'll talk about it later, but I'm a very, uh, let's get this done kind of, and I'm kind of a perfectionist. So it's like, I'm no fun to be around when I'm in the kitchen. I enjoy doing it. Phil, what about you growing up? Yeah. And I think your experiences is, is, is a valid one, Rob. I think cooking for me, for us, it's not the end all. It's just a means mm-hmm. to accomplish spending time with your kids, you know? And so even, even if the kids aren't actually physically helping out, because, you know, my kids are young. That's not the easiest thing. You, you try no. to get them to measure out a cup of flour and you're going to have a cup of flour on the ground. Yeah. And I've got these yes. hardwood floors that that flour gravitates to the middle of those planks. And then <laughs> and it just doesn't come out. And so, but I guess that's how your kitchen builds character. I yeah. heard this quote once that said, vacuum lines are lonely. And I was just like, wow, yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I mean, if if we're trying to aim for perfection and have this finished product that is flawless, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, there's a time and a place for that, but it's certainly not every day. And so I, I think my, my upbringing in all of it is that my parents divorced when I was very young and my stepmom was the breadwinner in our home. And, you know, my, my, my dad worked as well, but he didn't quite work the, the late hours like my stepmom did. And so he would do a lot of cooking and I, I just like to observe and I, you know, wanted to try things here and there. And, and, you know, as, as, as dads go, a lot of that was just barbecue and that, but that was fine. And, but I just, I just kind of enjoyed being around it. And I, and I've always loved food, you know, it's just, I mean, who who doesn't love food? It's just like so beautiful and so, so cheesy to say out loud as I'm saying it, but yeah, food, right? Yep. I get it. (laughs) I've always said, don't trust a fat guy that can't cook. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a it's like a guy that goes bankrupt and manages your finances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I'm actually working on my on my dad gut. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. COVID no helped. It'll, yeah. And we just had a baby a few months ago. So that's helped as well. Poor bastard. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's this there's this Netflix series. And if you've listened to our show, if you're a fan of Dad's Kitchen, you'll hear it on every other episode. Chris and I often talk about this American chef by the name of Samin Nostrat. And Samin has this cookbook called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And she's got a Netflix series to go along with it. And if you watch the Netflix series, it's so much about the origins of the food and how they come in together. And at the end, you know, they all sit down and they have the meal together. But before that, they're preparing the food. 
and I almost feel like the like this imagery of preparing the food together with your friends and your family is one of the main themes of that show. Totally. And I can relate to that because it's just having the conversations and the memories built around baking together or, you know, why not making macaroni and cheese together? Sure. You know, it's, it's not just like send the kids away, go do your thing, go check out your iPad while I prepare dinner so I can have peace and quiet. You know, it's, like we're, we're, and it's not always easy. Listen, like it's not the easiest thing in the world to say, I want you present while I do this. But I think it's just like this matter of, you know, challenging ourselves every day. And, and food just happens to be the medium that, that I think Chris and I are, are trying to aim for with that. Got it. Nick, do you have any uh, memories with food growing up? Um, I mean, my dad was very much a repetitive guy. I think every Tuesday was Joe special which um, if no one's familiar with it, it's spinach, sausage, and egg all mixed together. Then Wednesday was usually bratwurst with sauerkraut. Thursday was probably uh, Bobo Lee. Friday was probably tacos. And it just sort of was this cycle of repeat, at least for my dad. And I think, you know, oh, it, it, it gets boring after a while. But (laughs) I mean, when you're nine, it's not like you have a choice in the matter. But he also, I mean, I give credit to my dad because he worked. And then when, when he came home, he always did, you know, he had the dishes. So he did the dishes. Then he cooked as well at the same time. So he did a lot of stuff like that. But I know um, one thing I was telling Rob when you guys were coming on that's very interesting is my grandma actually, um, and I didn't think of this until he brought it up, like she was, was around before microwaves and a lot of times she, I think she died without even owning a microwave. So whenever we'd go there and visit and we'd be like, Hey, we want lunch. She'd bust out the skillet. She'd turn on the oven. She'd turn on the stove. And I think that's lost a lot on today's generation, especially with the microwave. I mean, throw a steak in there. You could probably cook it in five Ew. minutes. <laughs> I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying it's possible. I almost I disconnected you right there, man. <laughs> Oh, Chris and I were talking about this the last time we recorded. Have you ever had steak in a frying pan with butter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, like, cast how did I not know about this? Yeah. It and does. then you throw cast like, some uh, sprigs of thyme on there, too. Mm. It's a trust the fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like my mom would never let me in the kitchen when she was cooking. So I think that's where I got it from. But I was always involved in sourcing our food, which we grew. We always raised chickens and rabbits. I think like one of the earliest pictures I can remember, I was like three or four, and I'm holding up two dead rabbits by their feet that were as tall as me. It's always been, you know, go help dad kill a chicken and, you know, pluck it and all that stuff. So that was my, I never got in the kitchen, but I was always doing that stuff or it was like, Hey, go out in the garden and get, you know, I had a cabbage or some nonsense yeah, like yeah. that. As a result, you know, it's like, I don't think twice about, you know, people will get squeamish about, ew, you're going to eat, you know, boucher or whatever like that. And it's just like, what? It's just, it's dead. We're eating the rest of it. What's the big deal? Unfortunately, my wife doesn't share that or my kid. What's but, boucher? Pig stomach. Oh, that was the one where Mike, my, my co-host was having some boucher, um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Buche burrito. I have no idea, but it's basically bacon. No, it's actual stomach, <laughs> not the belt, not the belly. Oh, okay, okay. So like, like the menudo. Intestines? Oh, okay. I, yeah, and he thought it was tongue. I'm like, no, tongue is lingua. And he's like, well, what was that? And then we looked it up, and he was kind of like, 
I'm like, dude, you loved it two seconds ago, man. <laughs> it's still the yeah. same food. But speaking of the memories, I actually melted when, hang on, I got to share this. When on your episode six, Phil and your daughter, who was four at the time, yeah, made a sweet potato quiche for Chris when he had a new kid. It was just the cutest thing I could even think of. And it made me feel horrible because I haven't cooked with my kid more. <laughs> but here's a short clip from that show. Check one, two. Check, check, one, two. Nice. All right. You ready to get started? Yeah. Do you want to say your name? Webby. So today you are my little sous chef. Yeah. Can you say sous chef? Sous chef. Good job. How do you not listen to that and go, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> oh, man. You're making my heart melt. I forgot. I mean, like, you know, you, you listen to your kids and these videos yeah. or these audio files from even like six months ago and you're like oh man or you see their pictures and it's just like where did the time go you know yeah you never get that back and before she you know it she's gonna be asking you for the car keys and telling you you're an idiot yeah. <laughs> uh, well no she she picked up the idiot part pretty quickly sure as <laughs> you know what and part of me is happy about that because at least it just shows that the kid is intuitive when my kid knows i'm a moron <laughs> well who taught you guys to cook so it sounds like Sounds like you got it from your dad, Phil. Yeah, a little bit, you know, and, and, and I would go and visit my mom and she was, she was always in the kitchen as well. My grandmother, you know, I kind of picked up pieces here and there, but you know, like I said, in the beginning of the interview, I, I mostly learned it from the podcast. Wow. I mean, okay. like I could follow a recipe sure, and it would be helpful if I would read the recipe before trying to follow it. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to learn the theory behind cooking and it, like, it, you know, you guys are podcasters, you know how it is. All, like all of life is a certain set of smoke and mirrors. We, we would record a podcast episode and we would Google the content just a few minutes before we record it, you know, yeah. and, but then, but then I, I, I'd, be, I'd be learning. Like, it's not just for the audience. I'm totally. actually absorbing this. This is really helpful stuff. And then, you know, I'd talk about how to make a beef bourguignon. And then I would, I would then go learn how to make the beef bourguignon after I told everybody else how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. and then i would edit out everything that we got wrong yeah oh man we got so much we would get so much stuff wrong and and chris his wife is actually a, a professional patissier and Ooh, so she would like yeah she she would she would listen to an episode and she'd be like now phil's wrong about that you got to cut that <laughs> isn't that a little like a bit of pressure cooking for her oh yeah but honestly i i think really it's it's kind of like a little bit of a partnership and I think I've, you know, kind of to, to your question of, of where did we learn to cook? Honestly, I think I've learned to cook way more. I've learned way more from my wife than anywhere else. So I think she's, she's way more of a partner than a judge in a lot of what we do. Uh, well, that's probably why you guys are still together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick, do you cook much? No. I mean, you're talking to a guy that, has no qualms having a microwave cheese quesadilla five nights a week. In fact, today, I think my dinner is just going to be, I'm going to drink a can of chili. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. That'll go like, great with that microwave steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've had plenty of liquid dinners, but I'm not sure that any of them have been chili. <laughs> <laughs> my, what's funny is my dad, when I first uh, moved out, I was telling my dad how, like, we don't really have much in the house, blah, blah, blah. And he said, one thing you don't want to do is have chili 
with tuna in it. He was like, that oh. is the grossest thing ever. And I was like, did you eat that? And he's like, all I had was chili and tuna. I needed to get full, so I mixed them together. <laughs> okay, Phil, question. Is chili and tuna better than chili and a cinnamon roll? Oh, have you? are you guys familiar with this Midwest thing? No. Is that? No. Yeah, uh, it's like a... We, one of our uh, biggest fans on the show, his his name is also Chris. He lives in Orlando, but he's originally from, or actually, I think his wife is originally from the Midwest in Nebraska. And so he, he'll often, you know, kind of chime in and tune in and send us messages. And like all of it revolved around this idea of chili and a cinnamon roll. And I wanted to do like a, like an Instagram post yeah. of this whole concept. And so I made it, I made like my favorite batch of chili, which mm -hmm. got this amazing recipe that's actually cooked in a wok. And I, I love it. It's just such a great tailgate style chili. And then uh, my wife bakes some cinnamon rolls and there is, oh my gosh, there is no better way to ruin two things that are, that are in and of themselves amazing. <laughs> like you put them together and it just ruins everything. Because Phil, this is like a, a chili with, a cinnamon roll that you would like dip in it more or less right yeah i think there are two separate things comes it's from together like you can have cornbread that has a lot of honey baked into it sure and so you kind of get the sweet and the savory right or you can have chili that has cinnamon cooked right into the chili mm -hmm. right and it's it just kind of adds a certain set of complexities to it but then man there is something about chili and a cinnamon roll that like literally makes you want to throw up I don't care. I don't know if you guys have listeners in Omaha, but no, no way. I don't care. I don't care if you guys lose all your subscribers in the Midwest. I'm not doing it. It's the literal worst. I think if maybe if it's like really spicy and you get that sweet heat or is it just doesn't work out? I mean, what is it? No, it's like the frosting. Oh, mixed the frosting. With like cumin. <laughs> like, no, I, was I was thinking it was the frosting and the beans, Phil. Oh, I make mine without beans. That would make it even more worse. Well, that's like yeah. some people put, what, cheddar cheese on uh, apple pie. Have you guys ever tried that? I hear that's an American thing. I've not tried yeah. it. You could put cheese on a turd. It'll be okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to co-sign that, Rob. Well, another Midwest thing. Don't, uh, is it Indiana or no, Cincinnati. Their chili is always on pasta. Yeah, it's like spaghetti. Yeah. yeah, my brother lives in Cincinnati. I've yet to try it. I think I'm actually going to fly out and see him next month. And so kind of curious. So maybe I'll report back. It just seems like a like a meaty sauce on spaghetti. I don't understand. Chris is looking incredulous. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I can I think I can get on board with that. I, yeah. I think you kind of have it right. It's it's more or less like pasta sauce. When you start trying to get frosting and cinnamon and sweet involved in that, I don't know. Or tuna, actually, for that matter. Tuna and chili, yeah. But the weird thing for me with this whole idea of the Cincinnati chili is that pasta sauce should never have cheddar cheese on it. I'll, yeah. Yeah, that is like, you know, either a pecorino or a parmesan, but then just a mountain of cheddar cheese. I don't know. I've, never, I've not tried that. Phil is macaroni, not pasta. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry yeah. to disagree with you here, but. <laughs> yeah, but would you have macaroni with red sauce and then the cheese maybe maybe we tried this thing where okay we had this one episode kind of early on in the in the podcast that when you're repurposing leftovers anything no matter what it was no matter what you had the night before 
could be repurposed as tacos the next night <laughs> and like in in theory it it actually kind of works but to test it out i made some beef bourguignon which is mm -hmm. basically if, if you've not had that it's, it's, it's one of the most amazing iconic french dishes it's basically beef braised in wine mm -hmm. and it definitely did not work as tacos the next night like wine tacos no thank you i'm just trying to think how you could make that work yeah, wine tacos. You can't. Wine, yeah, you can't add cheese to that. Like you couldn't add, is it cotija cheese? Maybe, uh, yeah, you wouldn't even want to put sour cream on that. Yeah. No, no you, right. you would just want to throw it away. <sighs> sour cream and wine tacos. Mm. <laughs> so I, I want to ask something since you guys are connoisseurs, and this is, this is stuck in my craw for a while. Hot dogs. Do you put cheese on them? Like, is that, is that a thing? So, Phil, I, th I, think, I think you're the expert on this one here. I, I I think all of my brat and hot dog experience comes back to like our um, so many hours spent together at like the Home Depot hot dog stand. That's right. I, yeah, I know my I, vote on this, but so for seven years through college, yes, it took me seven years to get through college. And no, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I worked at the hot dog stand at Home Depot, and this is like the extent of my food experience you know professional food experience which is laughable as i'm saying it out loud but i got pretty good at making a hot dog and hmm no i don't i don't think well i mean there's a time and a place what i'm a big fan of is a, is a you know you can do a taco bar i like to do a hot dog bar so then mm -hmm. just get a lot of really unique ingredients i mean you can do the classics like some you know some white onion or some relish obviously your mustard and your ketchup but then get kind of creative with it and do avocado and pineapple and watermelon and you know rob you mentioned cotilla cheese sure why not if you have it in the refrigerator just throw it out there and balsamic vinegar and like whatever you can come up with kind of like just what fuddruckers used to do with burgers years ago oh 100 yeah 100 yeah. makes sense yeah I don't, I don't think i see a problem with cheese being on there it wouldn't be my default i wouldn't i wouldn't put cheese on a hot dog now is a hot I mean, dog but a I, would do, I would do chili and cheese is have you listened to that podcast no I mean, yeah, there's a did podcast. Did you guys do one on that? Is a sandwich. Oh, really? No, no, it's a it's a it's a whole new show. Yeah, oh, it's, it's uh it's a big time show. It's like I think if you Google or if you if you look in Apple Podcasts and you you look at the top trending podcasts under food, that's usually like in the top five. I would. It's be a wild show. It's pissed if it's I had hard a to food listen to because there's podcast and I was behind those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's but why we're always it? pissed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> is it a sandwich uh, i don't know what do you think chris i think it's as much of a sandwich as a taco is all right yeah, that's I my actually... answer <laughs> what about your answer to cheese because i know you deferred to fill there yeah it was a softball oh, hey buddy yeah 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 i i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna lean towards the no side of this one maybe because i don't like hot dogs in general I feel like that's becoming a little bit of a thing and just the things that I don't like, but I, I would, I would lean towards a brat and I think brats need like sauerkraut and maybe some grilled onions there. Personal preference though. Makes sense. Well, going back to the who taught you to cook, I've got a clip here from Joe Coy talking about how his Filipino mom taught him how to cook rice. Here goes. That's all we ate was rice. That's the key to an Asian household, rice. That shit is always cooking. There's always a pot of rice cooking. The rice cooker's always on. 
you can get locked in an Asian person's house and all the lights are off. You can find the kitchen. <laughs> Just look for that little square red light. <laughs> oh, there's the <laughs> rice right there. I, mean, I sent my son to go get rice the other day. I go, Joe, go, go, go grab a bag of rice. And he ran down a couple aisles and then he came back with this little ass bag of rice. <laughs> it was in his hand like that. And even though I knew that was the bag of rice he was supposed to get, I started reflecting back to when I was his age. The bag of rice I had to get was the size of this stool. That was twice my body weight. I had to drag that back to my mom. It's a big nylon bag with Chinese writing on the front. It said 50 pounds at the bottom of it. My mom would sit that in the back of the kitchen next to the trash can. Top just ripped open. Inside that bag was a coffee mug with a broken handle. She called that a measuring cup. Yeah, I think I find this a lot funnier than you guys do because I went to school with like 80% Filipinos. <laughs> she taught me how to make rice. I remember that day. I'm going to teach you how to make rice, and this is the only time I'm going to teach you. Okay. How do I do it? You take a couple scoops of rice dosa, put it in the pot, put water in the pot, squish it around, clean the rice like that. If the water's cloudy, the rice is dirty, pour that water out. Put more water in there, squish it around, squish it around. If the water is still cloudy, the rice is dirty, pour that water out. Continue the process, Joseph, until the water is clear. When the water's clear, add water, it's ready to cook. Well then how much water do I add? Just fill it through this line right here, Joseph. So he is pointing <laughs> at the uh, first line of his middle finger, that first knuckle. Oh, okay. So apparently you just put your finger in on the top of the rice and fill the water up that inch or whatever it is. This is how you cook perfect rice. I want the world to know that right now. This is an ancient in secret every Asian knows how to make rice and this is how you do it you don't need a measuring cup and you don't need a rice cooker all you need is rice a pot and this line right here <laughs> okay thanks Joe Coy <laughs> that's an actual thing though it like is. I kept I kept messing up cooking rice and um, my wife worked with uh, some mongs and they were like, how can you not make rice? You just fill it up to the, the first uh, knuckle like mm -hmm. with water. Like, what, what is he doing wrong? I mean, it's difficult to cook. <laughs> I think you guys. That's, that's what we've been doing wrong all of this time. I can't tell you how many times we've tried to cook rice in a pot, and it's just, like, black on the bottom when we're done. We've, we've been talking about getting, a, like, a rice steamer for so long. Uh, we haven't gotten one yet, but never had a problem cooking rice. Oh, I love the I love the rice cookers because you can just press it down and it tells you what to do. You just press it down. It pops up when it's done. I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like his mom is, is really onto something, but maybe not necessarily because we need to learn the proper technique to steam rice. I think, and this is just my personal preference, but one thing that I've learned is you don't always have to steam your rice to cook rice. Like you could, in theory, just boil your rice just the way you boil pasta mm -hmm. or the way you boil beans Quinoa. and then just, yeah, take, take some of the little, they're not kernels. What are they? Grains. Grains. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
super educated over here. <laughs> Seven years to get an associate's degree, okay? Yeah. I went for 10 years. I don't have anything, so you got just, me beat. Just pull out the, the rice grain, and if it, you know, put it in your mouth. If it seems like it's done, then drain it. No, that's the problem. Drain it? Ew. Uh, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with it then? You cook it for whatever it says, like 15 minutes with a lid no. on. You don't touch it. No, 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 no. No, you you boil it until it's soft, and then you pull it from the water. Exactly the same way you do pasta. That's what you're proposing, or that's how yes. you cook rice? Oh, I see what you're saying. It, it totally works, yeah. You don't oh, have to steam that, it yeah. until all the water is gone. Sure. You just have to boil it until it's soft. Okay. Like we're arguing about cooking rice now. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's, uh, like I said, like 80% of my school population growing up was Filipino. So I think they might be screaming sacrilege on this. Uh, <laughs> 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 made for a crappy football team because their tallest guy was like five, six. Scrappy though. Yeah, they were. And they could dance. <laughs> uh, but uh, go Moreau Mariners. <laughs> when did you guys actually start cooking like on a regular basis when you realized this is what I do now? When we started the podcast. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for me, yeah, but but again, I, I think for me, the inspiration was watching Phil cook mm -hmm. in oh, his kitchen, and <laughs> so I mean, Phil, and I know you had been doing it for absolutely forever before you know we started. I mean, not really. I I think when I, you know, when I was dating my now wife, and this was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years ago, I'd want to impress her, you know, so I'd so I'd make. Like hamburger helper, you know, or whatever, whatever <laughs> I thought was cool. And Chris really is not giving himself enough credit because shortly after my wife and I got married, Chris was still single and he invited us over for dinner. We were both living in Colorado Springs at the time. This is before I moved out to the East Coast. And Chris made pasta carbonara, which actually isn't the easiest thing to make mm -hmm. because it involves like raw egg and mm -hmm. you have to time it right so that you don't scramble the egg. And it's, it was delicious. I was like, oh my God, Chris, he's a really good chef. <laughs> well, maybe like, that's because what? I wanted to impress you. See, oh. all of life is a certain set of smoke and mirrors. We're just trying to impress each other. And now here, Chris and I are trying to impress you fine folks. <laughs> it's funny you bring it up because I didn't start cooking until I was living on my own. I was probably like 20. And I realized that being able to cook went a long way in, in impressing women that came over. Yeah, it's the best way. What was that movie... Was it How to Lose, Lose a Guy in 10 Days with Matthew McConaughey and he's trying mm -hmm. to impress his lady friend, Jessica? Okay. What was her name? Uh, wasn't it Sarah Jessica Parker? No. Wasn't that How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? No, because she oh, already looked like was. a foot by then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was Anyways, uh, like Goldie Hawn's daughter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Whatever her name was. James Taylor. James Taylor? His daughter? Wasn't that his... Yeah, didn't didn't Goldie Hawn and James Taylor get together and have a baby and it was no, her? No, that was the guy from um, Escape from New York. Kurt Russell? Oh, man. Yes, thank you. That's not her dad. Yeah, Isn't that's it? not, no. no. It's James Taylor, I'm pretty sure. Really? Right? No. That's so oh, gosh. Weird. I'm this looking it up. This has to get cut. I don't know. <laughs> that's weird. At no. any rate. <laughs> yeah. He so makes he her a meal and I just thought that was like super sexy. Like, whoa, it's that easy. You just have to cook dinner. Yeah, for a journalist, and then she'll burn you in an article. Well, it's funny because it pisses my wife off to tell this. I told her I was going to tell this, but so my wife and I dated for a few months when I was twenty-one, and we went out for a few months. We broke up, and then we got back together like thirteen years later. 
you know, in the meantime, you know, we would still kind of like, we never saw each other, but we'd still send each other like birthday gifts and stuff. And she sent me this creme brulee kit, which creme brulee always sounds like really fancy and stuff. And when you see they're charging 12 bucks for it at a restaurant, you're like, wow, this must be hard. It's the easiest freaking thing you can make. And unknown to my wife, she became like my wingman because man, that impressed women when they had breakfast or uh, dessert at my place. <laughs> so she gets really pissed off about all, all that. Then she got mad because she's like, you haven't made me creme brulee in a long time. And then, yeah. So if you make something, make it for everybody. I've never uh, made it. Does it, do you have to have a blowtorch? It helps. Yeah. You can or actually can you do broil it, it in the You can do it over yeah, a broiler. The, the broiler. I know we've talked about this a bunch. It's but, fun uh, with the blowtorch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so much more fun. So Chris is like a big time purist. He doesn't even own a toaster because the broiler I don't is have a toaster. the toaster. Is yeah. is amazing. Am I the only Nick, do you have a toaster? Please yeah. say you do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean it's convenient. So you Get with the now, guys. <laughs> See, I've got a nice little double oven that the top part is you can actually toast on there. It'll broil and do the bottom. So it's like, yeah, why have another thing on my counter when I can just throw it in there? Yeah, and sure. Put big pieces in there, too. Yeah. Like garlic bread and all that. I have a toaster oven, so I have the best of both worlds. So you got all three. It's pretty much yeah. the same thing, yeah. yeah. Any big surprises from you guys doing this podcast? I think that I actually learned something. <laughs> uh or, or even got like kind of okay or comfortable in the kitchen i think for me honestly like diving into it i had all these mental roadblocks kind of where do i start how do i pick a recipe how do i find ingredients and it all i don't know it, it kind of seemed like this black magic a little bit there's like there's something weird going on that only like my wife and my mom got and I think it was like breaking down those those mental roadblocks, and and I've kind of gotten to the place where, you know, I'm I'm not I, w- I wouldn't say that I'm good in the kitchen, but I can I can make something now, <laughs> and it was just the process of like really going through the steps and and realizing that it can be broken down into some easily grasped steps, you know. We can find a recipe. We can go to the store and get something. And then I think as far as the actual like cooking of something, just that the idea that, you know, if if I maybe don't have that technique perfect, I'm not gonna absolutely ruin whatever that I'm making. Sure. And I, I I would absolutely have to say that for me, that that was kind of like the biggest surprise that like I can actually do this and it's it's gonna turn out pretty edible. Like we don't have to order pizza every time I attempt to cook. <laughs> Yeah, but there's also nothing wrong with that, you know? Sure. Like, I mean, listen, if you screw up on a meal, just order pizza because cooking is just a means to an end anyways. You know, like the whole idea, the whole concept of our podcast, Dad's Kitchen, is to really spend more time with your kids. And if it means just ordering a pizza because you totally burned the meatloaf or whatever it is you're cooking, then make a game out of it, you know? Order the pizza and and just have as much fun as you can fair enough i think one thing that surprised me was how incredibly basic some of the building blocks were so mm-hmm. i mentioned bechamel earlier bechamel is one of the five french mother sauces so much of french cooking comes from these five sauces and then bechamel would be kind of the first one so 
If you're unfamiliar with bechamel, it's basically three ingredients. It's flour, butter, and milk. And I, I live in the South. I live in, in South Carolina, in Charleston, right on the coast. And mac and cheese is a really big deal here in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like on every meal, right? Or every 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 entree is going to have mac and cheese on the side. And I've always loved it. I didn't always necessarily know why I loved it. It just, it just tasted really good. Mm-hmm. And then I would try to make it. And I would read this recipe that said, make a bechamel. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Next recipe, you know, <laughs> scrolling, try to find one that makes sense. And then Chris and I are doing this podcast and we did an entire episode on bechamel, which by the way, great content, horrible audio on my end. Because this is one of those examples where I had my mic turned the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so great episode. I encourage you to listen to it. This is my grain of salt. Just brace yourself. Chris is going to sound amazing. I'm going to sound like an idiot. And, but that's okay because I didn't just learn how to cook on this show. I also learned how to podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so anyways, the bechamel is like the building block to making a really good mac and cheese. So you Mm -hmm. melt your butter and you mix it with your flour to make a roux. Mm -hmm. And then you add milk and you just kind of whisk it together. And the result is this really beautiful white creamy sauce that is 100% entirely flavorless until you start adding salt or you add pepper or you add paprika or you or add cheese cheese or you, or you add an egg or you just you, you you know and then you can make a mornay out of that and the next thing you know you've got this macaroni and cheese that is served on a side dish at a steakhouse that just charged you 80 bucks for a meal yeah and you're That's like the hell one thing yeah when you start cooking for yourself you realize man this is a ripoff like anything yeah, oh, pasta yeah like, how, why are you charging me 22 bucks for a plate of pasta when I can do this for like $3 to feed my family? 100%. It's, yeah. No. Have you guys had any uh, big injuries in the kitchen? <laughs> Phil, you can go first. I, I well, certainly, but I feel like, I, I mean, we, we have your injury on record, so. You do. Uh, it was pretty early on. I kind of forgot that, you know, the oven is hot and the thing's that are in the oven when they come out are hot uh we were making a ratatouille and actually hang on chris i think i yeah. have this for you oh so here's the thing when you pull something out of the oven at 450 degrees it's hot <laughs> and then i grabbed it once i set it down took the oven that's off you okay jam fun need a second that was hot first episode man like first in the kitchen episode i have a tip for this this recipe when you take whatever's in the oven out don't touch it with your bare hands down and out dude you sound like you were in such excruciating pain there i had blisters on my fingers oh man and I was also trying to figure out how to like continue the episode because I felt like we were already so invested. And if what you I... don't hear is like 20 minutes of laughter from me that just got <laughs> cut. Like, <laughs> I well, couldn't pull you, myself together. Yeah, if you listen to the episode, you'll, you'll realize that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of driving it for the first half or so. And then this incident happens and phil kind of takes the rest of it that's because i i took like maybe a few shots of tequila just to try and numb the pain and i was i was just along for the ride after that but yes is that the worst it got (laughs) uh i want to say that that's the last time that i burned myself but it's not 
I, I think for me, I think for me, like burning myself is kind of the go-to. I know Phil, you've mentioned knives. I, I have yet to have an experience with knives, but sometimes I just, I kind of get caught up in whatever I'm doing. And I forget that like, you know, even if it's not glowing red, something still might mm-hmm. be hot. Well, I feel for you there because I've done the exact same thing where, especially because I use a lot of cast iron and that stuff just stays hot. And oh, it does. Yeah. And like you move it, you move it, you know, and it's like, oh, I got to get this out of the way. And I know it's probably still going to be warm, but then you grab it and you can just you're like, oh, that was stupid. And then you're just running your hand under cold water. So I, I don't want to make fun of you because I've done the same thing a million times. Phil, you have knife issues? Knife issues? I do have knife issues. Yeah. So I, this was some years ago. I was making a stew or at least preparing a stew. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to chop up some raw sweet potatoes and throw those in the crock pot so that, you know, later that day we could have a nice dinner. And I was kind of rushed. I was on my way to work or, or getting ready to leave the house. And I, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. I was like super mad at my wife that morning for whatever reason. I think I don't remember what the argument was, but it was, I was Tuesday. Like, yeah, we call it Tuesday in our house. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was trying to chop these freaking stupid sweet potatoes, which were like rock solid, and my knife was dull, and I was angry, and I was feeling rushed, and like the next thing I know, the the blade just like drives into my middle finger and like enters into the bone oh. and then I didn't feel anything at first it like went right through the nerves but like the amount of blood that came out of this so I like hold my hand over the sink and I I tell my oldest daughter Bridget I think she was maybe four or five at the time and I was like Bridget go get mom right now <laughs> and so she goes and gets my wife Ashley and Ashley comes down and she's like bedlam at that point she's like oh my god and then like the pain starts to set in and i'm just like oh my god and then my kids are like oh my god <laughs> like everybody's screaming and i i get super lightheaded and i typically do fine with blood it's never really bothered me I, you know i'm kind of the nurse in the home and you know if, if somebody's got an injury i'll patch it off and we'll be fine but i did not do well in that moment i think i was just like seeing the amount of blood that was pouring out of my hand and I nearly passed out, but then I, I texted, I grabbed my phone and I texted my neighbor who actually was a nurse and mm-hmm. he was just getting off the night shift. I knew he worked the night shift and I'm like, I wonder if he is, I wonder if he's done. So I, I texted him and I was like, Hey, are you home from work yet? And he's like, yeah, I just got in. What's up? Getting ready to take a shower. You know what? Getting ready to go to bed for the, for the day. What do you need? And I was like, are you available for a field dressing? And he's like, what? Are you serious? I was like, oh, I'm serious. So he comes right over with his little kit and stitches me up. And yeah, I think the moral of the story is like, don't cut things when you're angry. Definitely don't cut them when you're rushed. And doubly definitely don't cut them with dull knives. Totally. Because it will mess you up. To this day, I like, I don't have feeling oh, wow. in my middle finger. Like the, the, the nerves are all just shot from that. So. Lovely. Oh, shoot. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but I think statute of limitations has passed. When I was 14, I, so. I worked at Togo's, which is a sandwich shop, and a guy ordered a barbecue beef, which is just yesterday's roast beef covered in barbecue sauce. And I was cutting the sandwich, and I, somehow I nicked the tip of my pinky, and it just gushed. And I grabbed a towel, went back, and, you know, said, hey, I'll be right back. I cut myself. And 
you know, I guess someone else stepped in to take care of him. And then after I got the bleeding to stop, I went, Hey, who made that guy another sandwich? They said, what are you talking about? We just took the one you did and wrapped it up and gave it to him. <laughs> oh, <sick. laughs> oh, Probably tasted like pennies. Hey, <laughs> you know, it's yesterday's roast beef wrapped in barbecue sauce. He was probably fine, but I just felt horrible for that. I still feel guilty about that. <laughs> well, on that note, plug your show. Are you going to link that rest that restaurant in the show notes? Not now. Uh, <laughs> Run them into the ground. <laughs> well, I mean, shoot, it's not the same. You know, I'm sure you get this when you go to a Home Depot and get a hot dog. You're like, man, service, you know, it's quality has gone to crap here. Because when I was here, it used to be blah, 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 or whatever. I don't know. I just, you take pride in stuff, even if it's a stupid job you did for sure. school, during school. But yeah, well, tell us about how they can find you. You can find Dad's Kitchen by jumping on basically any podcast platform and just type in dad's kitchen. It is singular possessive. So it's dad apostrophe S kitchen. Hit us up on social at dad's kitchen co and have fun. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, Nick, you want to say something about gag? Sure. Gag on this podcast. We interview comedians uh, and have a fun time doing it. We drop episodes on YouTube every Saturday. And then two days later, we drop it on all podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at gag on this underscore pod. And follow me on Twitter at the Big Nick J. I am looking forward to the one we're recording this week. We got a guy who did like some uh, satire website called Save Portland from Hell, and it's like Andy Kaufman, brilliant stuff. I can't wait to talk to this guy. It'll be good. Yep. And uh, when you're getting ready to cook dinner for your family, you're going to need a little boost. Check out our sponsor, the Seattle Gummy Company. They give you, they make high energy mocha shots. You get all the caffeine in a cup of coffee five times faster. For a half the price of what you would spend for a cup of coffee at a chain coffee shop. Click the link in the show notes, enter the code STANDUPDADS15, and get 15% off your order. Seattle Gummy Company, Stand Up Dad tested and approved. Get done. Now, I do most of the cooking in my house. My, my wife does a good job baking with the boy. Like they do cupcakes and all that stuff. So he learns with her and she is a lot more patient. Like I'm watching him crack an egg and I'm ready to just slip my own throat. Uh, but, you know, but I'm so focused on the end result. How do you recommend getting that out of your head to, cause you know, I heard like in that one Phil with you with your daughter, granted, I mean, she wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot in there, but you were still calm through that whole thing. And, you know, and it was cute to listen to. So it didn't stress me out to hear, but if I'm actually doing it, I'm like redlining. Yeah, I, th I think a really good place to start to introduce your kids into the kitchen is maybe just measuring out some spices. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of room for error. It's usually a teaspoon at a time. It gives them ownership, but then it also kind of, and this sounds kind of bad, but if you're being honest here, it, it kind of gives them a project to work on so that you can then focus on what you need to do. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, and, and then the next thing you know, they're wanting to eat the vegetables because they helped make them. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. But no, cracking an egg is, oh, it's torture. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're trying to teach a small child how to crack an egg and guess what? They're just going to want to keep doing it after they do oh, it yeah. the first time. And it's not going to work. Like it's just, they're going to continue to mess up and they're so happy while they're doing it. They're so happy. It's just so cute. I think there's beauty in that, you know? There is. It's, uh, yeah, I guess don't, don't be hungry when you cook. That's for sure. Cause I've tried it with my kid and I just like, okay, get out. I need, and that's horrible. He's going to remember that because I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs>
<sighs> I did find an article called 10 Benefits of Cooking with Kids. I'll post a link in the show notes. Uh, let's see. And there were things in here that surprised me, like increasing language development. And for older kids, you could, you know, have them try to predict what's going to happen next or what the next ingredient would be. So that's kind of that process you were talking about. Like once you know the sauce, you can do all sorts of other stuff. There's the fine motor skills like cracking an egg, rolling dough, stuff like that. Big one is the math ability that gets increased because like it or not, there's a whole lot of math, especially with baking. With the menus, you get the reading skills, they get scientific concepts, increases focus and attention because, you know, if they're not paying attention, it's going to screw up. And then they learn really quick that if they didn't pay attention, they don't get to have that cookie or brownie that they were looking forward to. Teaches life skills. And I have my own addendum that uh, it'll get you uh, laid (laughs) for when you're older. But yeah, I mean, it's stuff you need to know as an independent adult. And this is like the first step to making them not, I don't know. uh, Have you seen uh, Good Eats, the Alton Brown show? No. No? I haven't. Okay. Well, Chris is nodding. You've seen it? He's nodding. Yeah. I think we've seen an episode or two. Yeah. Well, he does an episode where like this guy who's like in his 30s, like his mom is still cooking him breakfast every day. So he like takes him into this boot camp and it's just like, God damn, how pathetic is that? I can't fry an egg on yourself on your own. You know, I don't want my kid to be that guy. And you brought up, it promotes healthy eating. You know, it's like suddenly they're eating the vegetables they help you cook uh, because they were involved with it. Yeah. Boost self-confidence because they feel good when they got something done. And then finally encourages family bonding. You know, they're saying to make it a routine, uh, like make, Sunday night, pizza night or something, or, you know, where you make your own. And this one sounded weird, not weird, just interesting. Play your own version of Chopped with your family. Hmm. So everyone like make a thing. I don't know how that would go. Yeah. Seems like you'd yeah. have to have a pretty good sized kitchen. You'd have to like bring in your neighbor to be the judge or something. Or you could just do the honor system, which there is no honor in family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a thing here about how Japanese parents teach your kids not to be picky eaters, but I think, I think you guys kind of covered a lot of that. Uh, usually at this point, I have a bad dad article and Mike and I will put in the bad dad because it's someone that's failed so bad as a father that it makes us feel better about being failures, but I didn't want to bring it down. So I got a good dad and uh, I'll post the link to it. It was on uh, Board Panda. Dad's honest review on his daughter's restaurant, and that's in quotes, goes viral. So you got this little girl who's probably like two years old and she's got one of those little kitchens and it, was, it looks like a nice one. Like they probably blew a few hundred bucks on this thing where it's got like a fridge. I mean, it's all play, a fridge, an onion, uh, an onion, an oven, a stove, all that. And they even have a little table with like the whole condiment stuff. So this dad, he made a little, uh, on Instagram, a review of his daughter's kitchen and here it goes. So I tried to support another Black-owned business for lunch today. It's called Ava's Kitchen. Just opened in April. It's a very clean establishment, but let me tell you about this owner. First off, I asked why there are balloons on my chair, and it's not my birthday. And she talking about, mind your business, those are mommies. I've been waiting on my order to get done for 45 minutes, and I'm the only customer here. She was making good progress at first, then she stopped for 20 minutes to go watch Paw Patrol. Overall, the customer service could be better, but the cook is a cutie, so I'll give her another chance. Let's not give up on black businesses so fast after one mistake. So this like blew up, and uh, there's a bunch of... I highly recommend clicking this link because there's a bunch of cute pictures in with this kid. I think it's one of my biggest issues as a dad is I hate playing with my kid. (laughs) 
So I think just remembering that it just goes well. So I think that's the one thing you guys are doing right. I think you guys, I think it's every show you guys talk about why you at the intro about why you guys do it and, or am I mistaken? Yeah. I think our bumper, you know, has a, has a thing or two about why we're doing what we're doing. And yeah, it's, it's to your point. It's just, it's, it's just about time. You know, it doesn't matter what the end result is, or even if you made anything, it's, you know what, if cooking's not your thing, then just get down and build magnet tiles with your son or your daughter and, you know, or Legos or whatever, or take them to a movie, do a Friday night pizza night. I mean, do, do whatever it takes, but just be with your kids, you know, it's, they're the greatest things you have and they're going to be with you forever. Yeah. Rob, so play with your kid. I take him fishing. <laughs> Maybe if we catch something worth uh, cooking, I'll have him cook that. Well, Chris and Phil, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? I've said enough, Chris, you, you need to speak up no phil i i think you definitely were on to something that it, it is ultimately about the time that we spend with our families and I, th- I think in addition to that you know there is something to the the appreciation that our kids like learn when they're around all of this as well i just think about my oldest and how how like picky he was but as he saw you know what we were doing in the kitchen and what we were making he became a little bit more like interested and invested and, and ultimately honestly it kind of like led to him opening up in general a little bit more as well mm-hmm. i i think that yes phil you're right like ultimately it, it does come down to spending time with our families and just being a little bit more engaged i don't know like i think there is there's this I don't know, kind of like a Homer Simpson-esque spin on what dads are. There's a stereotype. And I think we can be a little bit better than that. And even beyond that, I think there's some additional benefits. You know, we, we can talk about like, you know, healthy eating and appreciation of food and knowing where our food comes from and all of these like nice ideas. But I, I think the benefits of just actually spending time with our kids should stand alone like on their own merit too. Now you talk about the stereotype. Do you guys get annoyed when they expect you to barbecue on Father's Day? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we've talked about having a barbecue uh, series. You know, we've, we've done like cocktails and, and some like heady things like French mother sauces. But I don't know, maybe that's why we've been holding off on the barbecue for now. Makes I think barbecue is great. Like there's there's some really amazing barbecue out there. I'm a big fan. I, I love to barbecue, sure, but not on father's day. Yeah. If it's, <laughs> if it's this, this trope, you know, like yeah. the dad grills out and then he watches golf on a Sunday and I don't know, sometimes I just want to bake a pie, Fair you know, make a creme brulee. Uh, yeah, there, you <laughs> go. there you go. Check out dad's kitchen. I really enjoy it. They come out twice a week. Uh, I will add links and everything to the show notes. Email us at thestandupdads at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate us, review us. It helps the show grow. Uh, If you want to hire someone to draw a picture of of your cute little kid making something for you in their pretend kitchen, hire my co-host, Mike Gray. You can email him at pencil, the number four, hire at gmail.com or check out his work on his site at pencilforhire.com. Again, Seattle Gummy Company. Uh, click the link in the show notes, enter the code standupdads15, get 15% off. We have teamed up with Gag on this podcast to bring you merch at tpublic.com. Get our ugly faces on your stuff. We used to tell people to go to tpublic.com and search for Gag on this, but people were complaining. So don't do that. Just click our link. No, don't do that. 
Also, um, one thing I want to add is if you want to put uh, Rob's face on a onesie for your baby, you can do that at <laughs> Public, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want your kid, if you want to pay for therapy in 12 years. <laughs> can I, I get a onesie <laughs> in adult size with Rob's face? Ooh, that'd be scary. Oh, it would that'd be, it, that'd it would be, be on the trap door. <laughs> <laughs> And again, gag on this podcast. Uh, there is a link in there. Guys, I want to say thanks for coming out. Go cook a meal with your kids, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, thanks. And Thank you. Later. The thing I want to say is thank you all for coming. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.